0: You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast.
1: Hello, awesome, amiable, and acute aficionados. Welcome to Good Job Brain, your weekly quiz show and offbeat trivia podcast. This is episode 10. And of course, I'm your humble host, Karen and along with me are, I'm Colin, Dana, and <laughs> I'm Chris. <laughs> we are your, we got alliteration, I didn't forget that. We are your quintessential quizzical quartet of qualified quotable questioners. Wow. <laughs> that actually, that little bit of alliteration was from a listeners Randy and Janine who emailed in. And you have to say we We've, been, was a good one. Good we've been getting a lot of uh, emails with some awesome alliteration, so keep them coming.
2: So we have to outsource our alliteration now. <laughs> I love that. The well, it's just—I yeah. mean, yeah, it's just—it's just so much cheaper overseas. It's true. It's true. We can't compete with that.
1: <laughs> and uh, speaking of listeners and mail, uh, we issued another listener challenge last week, and Colin.
3: Yeah. So uh, this one worked out even better than we had hoped. So the the challenge, just to very quickly recap, it was at the end of a double letter quiz. I had said there were two words, 12-letter uh, words, that you can type just using your left hand on a standard keyboard layout. And uh, we were actually looking for the answer we were looking for was stewardesses with the double S there to, huh. to fit the uh, criterion of double letters. A little letters.
1: bit politically yeah. incorrect.
3: I suppose they're flight attendants these days mm-hmm. or maybe even for a while now. Uh, but uh, several listeners uh, went above and beyond the call of duty. So we also had submitted one that I didn't even have in mind, which is... After Effects. Um, did
1: you verify it?
3: I did. I verified it. It's actually it's way older than I thought. I mean, the I, I looked the earliest cited use of After Effects was in the 1600s. Whoa. So it is a mm-hmm. uh, bona fide <laughs> it's a word with <laughs> double yes. letters yeah. too. Double letters. Yeah. That's right. No no hyphen. Nothing yeah. like that. One solid word. So older so than have,
0: stewardesses even. Oh, good point. <laughs> yeah, <sure>. yeah.
3: <laughs> good point. So we have uh, so two awesome answers there. So if mm. you put stewardesses or After Effects, you rock.
1: Mm. Yep. We got uh, our winners that we randomly selected. Josh from Australia, Emily from Illinois, Natalia from New York, Genevieve from Montreal, and uh, Chase, who along with other s- suggested After Effects that we didn't know. So. Well done. Good job, guys. You are yeah. educating yeah. us.
2: I actually found that I can type every word on the typewriter with only my left hand. It just, it just takes me I can
0: do it with just one finger. In fact. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, we had
3: to weed out the 900 smart-ass answers. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And uh, wow This is our 10th episode Double digits Hard
3: to believe That's That's awesome
1: I've actually noticed That uh, pub trivia Has been blowing up In the podcast world Just recently A couple days ago NPR just released Their pub trivia Podcast game show And the BBC also Just released A general trivia podcast So make sure You get your trivia fix So just let
3: it it be noted That we staked out The territory Before
2: NPR and BBC Yes (laughs)
1: It's tough to
2: compete With two of the largest governments in the world. <laughs> we only had that Kickstarter. <laughs> know. They okay. have the ability to that's tax right. people.
1: We, we we have stickers. That's right. We have stickers to send to listeners. The internet. They have the internet. police. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> they can jail us. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Let's uh, jump into our general trivia uh, segment. Pop quiz, hot shot. Everybody get your barnyard buzzers ready. You know got- mine is ready. All right. All right. All right. We got our random Trivial Pursuit card here. Blue Wedge. What is Canada's largest province in area?
3: Oh.
2: I'm going to guess Alberta.
1: Incorrect. Mm.
2: Saskatchewan.
1: Incorrect. I That's- just like saying
2: Saskatchewan. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it is Quebec. Oh. oh. And of course, Prince Edward Island is the smallest province. Oh, PEI. Very very tiny. Pink Wedge pop culture, what TV show takes place in a law firm with a unisexed restroom? (laughs) Dana. Ally McBeal. Correct. (laughs) Yellow Wedge. What was the most popular name for boys born in the United States from 1961 through 1998? Wow. Is it Michael? Correct. Oh, Oh, wow. All right. Shot in the dark there. You grew up with a lot of Michaels. I did grow
3: up with a lot of Michaels. I know many Mikes and Michaels. Yeah.
1: Jacob became the most popular boy's name in 1999. All right. uh, Purple Wedge. The characters in From the Mixed Up Files of Mrs. Basil E. Frankenweiler. (laughs) Basil E. Frankweiler. Beloved uh, children's book. Yes. Hideout in what museum? Is it the Met? No. Yes. 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 No, yes, no. (laughs) I was like, oh, this would be so embarrassing to not get it right. I love that book. Metropolitan Museum of Art. Nice. That was when uh, the two kids camp out in In the the bathroom, and then they live in the museum. Right. Yep. Green Wedge for Science, and this is uh, kind of topical, what species has the longest tail of any land mammal? Uh, It's weird. uh, I mean.
2: (laughs) Is it like a monkey? I just thought they would have these really long tails. I just imagine them? with these long a, tails.
1: No. Mm. The longest
2: tail.
3: Oh. Is it a lemur?
1: Incorrect. It what is, is it?
3: giraffe.
1: Oh. Really? Huh?
3: I guess that makes sense because they're kind of just they're scaled, they're scaled right, up. Right, right, right. Okay, sure. Oh, that's a but, really good one. That's good. So, so
0: if you draw a picture of a giraffe, make sure you put the tail on there. It's yeah. the longest. Mm. Of all... Yeah. Hmm.
3: Or if you're playing pin the tail on a giraffe at your birthday party, yeah, well, uh, <laughs> right. you have to drag
0: it across the floor.
3: It's
1: Kids are like tripping over yeah. it. Okay, last question: What fitness practice uses the electric chair, spine corrector, and ladder barrel?
3: Fitness
0: practice? Oh, uh, Colin buzzed I, in. I was
3: going to guess chiropractic, but I—that's I, I, not what I was. Yoga.
0: Close, but... Oh, really? Pilates. pilates?
1: Pilates. Oh. Oh, yeah. I didn't buzz, I didn't buzz. Oh, yeah. I
2: figured they were yoga positions. Dana got That's it. what I thought. <laughs> some,
1: some pilates. Pilates. No. Pilates. All right, we have our Kickstarter backer question. Uh, this is from Josh Hicks, actually from Saskatchewan. No. Oh. Your favorite word. Frank Edwin Wright III okay. is the drummer of what band? And the hint, he's better known by a pseudonym. Frank Edwin Wright the third
3: by a Mm. pseudonym,
1: and there is a clue in his name.
2: Frank Edwin Edwin Wright Uh, the third, hmm. known as by a pseudonym, Mm. and there's a clue. Is there a clue in his name to the name of the band, or a clue to his pseudonym? To his pseudonym. To his pseudonym. pseudonym. This is. It seems like it's right on the tip of Dana's tongue.
0: Okay, I'm guessing, and I also think it's wrong, but I have to say it. (laughs) Is it you
1: two? Incorrect. Okay. Mm. It is, the band is Green Day, and uh, oh, the drummer is Trey, Trey. Trey. Cool. Cool. What? Cool. the third. Uh, huh. I knew his, they're from Berkeley. I we're know, recording we're recording, this recording this in here in
3: Berkeley, yeah. we, should have, we should have gotten that. Huh? Yep. Okay.
1: And uh, Josh is a big music fan, also a big Green Day fan, and a big uh, Apple and Star Wars fan as well. All right. Cool. So, like all of We've us. got to meet this guy. I know, it's right <laughs> up Colin alley. <laughs> <laughs> and this one is from Ben Rosenthal from Wyoming, Minnesota. Who was the first U.S. president born in a hospital?
3: I I believe that was Jimmy Carter.
1: Yes. Where were all the previous presidents born? At, at, at home.
3: home. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, at home. I mean, it's... it wasn't
2: typical to go all the way to the hospital to give birth to a baby.
1: They just have like midwives come and. and... Yeah, if that conduct their business yeah. yeah conduct their business yeah help I'm with sure the lady are... business it wasn't it wasn't considered like an illness to you know
2: to be pregnant you know you know you just, you just you gave birth to a baby it happened all the time
1: interesting fact about ben he once drank a ham smoothie <laughs> oh. so what's the ham smoothie
0: like i'm curious if, it has like if it's vanilla like vanilla ice cream the too bacon or milkshake something? that yeah. we talked about last week. i episode. think it's i
2: think it's you blend just, up a bunch of ham and soy milk and, and shug it down
0: it's just pureed like
3: ham with it's the soy like, milk, milk. you right, yeah, right you've gone all the way to liquefying the ham you know I better lighten
2: this up a little right. bit with some soy milk That's yeah <laughs> well I mean then it's kosher so, some yogurt and a
1: banana or something <laughs> oh, some ice cubes yeah all right and uh so our topic of the week for our 10th episode is uh it's gonna be interesting uh we're all about weird animals and weird animal stories this week <laughs> Put the disclaimer out there that it might get gross we've compiled a couple of the i wouldn't say the weirdest but it's it's up there some of the weirdest animals and animal stories
0: so i found this article and it was called Bees." exploding testicles which
1: (laughs) of course i I had
0: to click on that (laughs) fascinating i did not realize this um the way honeybees reproduce the queen is kind of nurtured in the hive and fed royal jelly until she becomes sexually mature and then she does this mating flight and she has about a dozen male drones with her and then when they have sex the male drones, like, break off their genitalia inside of her and then die. Oh, my. And then the next one comes and he pulls out the genitalia from the one before. And then, what?
1: like,
2: and <laughs> they, <laughs> and then then
3: they die. And they dies. all just. And they yeah. just
2: keep doing this. Right.
3: Uh-huh.
0: Now is each one fertilizing it, her as it goes?
3: No, or each is one
2: it... is thinking like, "My testicle oh, okay. will stuck in there." Oh no! This, the guy before me <laughs> was dumb.
0: Oh no, no, they they know what's gonna happen.
3: <laughs> that is devotion to a cause. I right know, oh, yeah. no,
0: going out with a
1: bang. Like, you...
0: <laughs>
3: That's what you call going balls out, <laughs> yeah. uh... or, or balls deep. <laughs>
1: Obviously, not all of these male bees successfully impregnate her, right? Or do they all successfully impregnate her?
3: Or is it, yeah, last one in wins kind of thing?
0: <laughs> no. These are all excellent questions.
2: <laughs> you didn't get that far in the article.
0: I was more focused on like looking at the little picture of the beach in Australia. yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like...
2: No, it's, you said they explode. What's the explosion? Is it the fact that they break off?
0: I think that was a very dramatic article <laughs> okay. title that okay. made me click through. Right.
2: So it was sensationalistic. Well, they, they, was yeah. this the weekly world news? No. no. Like, say you read it Maybe what paper. they meant
3: is an explosion of testicles. Yeah. Oh, okay. so <laughs> so many. There's yeah. so many of right, them. Right, no,
0: right. I verified it. I looked at the different Honeybee sites. And you looked at bee testicles.com. Yeah, I was looking that. at all the diagrams. Yeah. It's fascinating. Good well, Googling.
3: There are. I mean, it's definitely one of those examples where mating is the last thing that you do in your life. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: There is a crazy one called the male wasp or the male wasp spider does something even like some is related, but it's even more gruesome where they don't actually have external genitalia necessarily. So they'll um, they'll ejaculate and then they have like a little appendage, like an arm or something, and it push it inside of the female (sighs) and break it off. And then immediately (laughs) the
1: female eats them.
3: (laughs) Well, you know, she needs some nourishment here. She's she's with child. It's
1: It's a long day. (laughs) Yeah. She needs a snack. Wow. Wait, so is is this wasp spider a spider or a wasp? A spider. Okay. Yeah. That's not very good naming. Yeah. Whoever named it. Boo. (laughs) (laughs) But speaking of cool names, um, the the, the animal I want to share with the world is called a peepa peepa. It's very oh, very cute. That's a cute name, and that's <laughs> yeah. as cute as it goes. It sounds like yeah. a child's cartoon. <laughs> Pipa Pipa, also known as the Suriname Toad. The, the toad itself, it, it's pretty cute. It's kind of um, stocky. It's kind of flat. It's brown. Another disclaimer: I'm going to describe this animal, and it it sounds both gross and fascinating. If you want to learn more, I just want to warn you, if you Google it, the images are a little bit unsettling <laughs> oh, because it's a little bit unnatural. So uh, when the female Pipa Pipa toad lays a bunch of eggs and the males come to seminate the eggs, mm-hmm. he rubs the eggs across her back. Okay. And so all these eggs that are fertilized are on her back and the eggs sink into her skin. The skin of her back—they all kind of become pockets, and it looks like mm, like a like a weird irregular beehive. Okay, kind okay. of like oh. a all right. you know when you have a rash and you have a bunch of bumps next oh, to each other, yeah. it kind of looks like that. But uh-huh. it's across this this toad's back, huh. okay, and so these become little little pockets and eventually become little cell chambers where the the eggs. They fertilize, and and usually, you know, with with frogs and toads, they become tadpoles, and then they grow feet and become frogs or toads. Right. The the tadpole stage is completely entirely. It happens in her back. Oh my god! And so, when it's time for you know the the babies to come out from her back, they're already baby toads, (laughs) and so you have this weird Frankenstein uh, growth on her back. That looks like a horrible rash. It's pulsating, and oh it God. is it is pulsating. And these little frogs like shoot out of her back from these these bubbles. It, it's, <laughs> wow. it's it makes me realize that nature is so. Messed up, because <laughs> you look at it, you're like, "That is that so unnatural." It makes yeah.
3: me it makes me think of you know in like the the space anime or the like Robotech, where you've got the ships with all the missiles fire out all at once. I'm imagining, except it's little baby toads. It is,
1: it is. They shoot out and and they begin their lives. It's, it's it is very very fascinating. I'm I'm yeah. oddly fascinated by this, wow. but when you look at the pictures, just be warned. It, it's
2: you <laughs> <laughs> just just frogs, just like popping off like. Grass. Off another frog. Yeah, it's almost
1: like a like a Lovecraft, you know, kind of yeah. uh, oh, weird yeah. creature. <laughs> yeah.
2: Nothing, nothing that man can think up in terms of science fiction stories <laughs> is crazier and creepier and more disgusting nature. than nature. So, everyone, uh, in the in the grand tradition of of radio, from from which podcast came from, I've prepared for you all a lovely little narrative story. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it is called story the dog. Time. It is called. The dog with Pika.
0: Ooh, are you doing voices too?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, so, what is what is Pika? Oh, well, uh,
2: it'll it'll come oh, okay. out in, in the story.
1: Okay.
3: Yeah. all right. Gather round, children. So, <laughs>
2: scooch, scooch. There was there once was a fifteen-year-old boy who lived in Saint Paul, Minnesota, back in the 1930s, um, and he had a little mixed-breed dog whose name was Spike. Uh, he was white with black spots. They think he was part pointer and part something else. And Spike had a little habit of eating things that were not food. Um, Which a lot of dogs sp- do.: Yes. Right? yes. Okay. Uh, but over the course of, of Spike's, uh, <laughs> Spike's time on Earth, he would eat handkerchiefs, he would eat stockings. He once ate a lie ball. <laughs> um, more worryingly for, for his owners, uh, Spike would eat pins uh. and tacks, uh. and Spike would eat nails. And Spike would even eat razor blades. So amazingly, Spike must have had a real iron stomach because all of these things, he would poop them out without incident. <laughs> even
1: the, even wow. the razor blades. Razor blades,
2: tacks, nails, everything. Wow. Um, now this disease, uh, is, or this 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 syndrome, this phenomenon is known as pica in humans and in animals. Mm-hmm. It's consuming things that are not food. Right. Sometimes this can be psychological. You know, just for some reason people start doing it because they acquire the taste for it. <laughs> um, like sometimes sure. pregnant women can like crave... Dirt or, you know, or crazy, crazy things their brain is telling them they should consume. Like the Um, toilet paper. Or sometimes people and, and certainly dogs can start doing it because of an imbalance of nutrients. Like if you're iron deficient you might start eating metal. Mm-hmm. Um, you
1: actually seek it out.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, they say that, you know, if a dog eats metal and likes it, he'll just keep eating metal, you know? Well.
1: Um, <laughs> they are dogs, sure. Now, yeah.
2: These days, a family whose dog did this would probably take the dog to the vet or call Cesar Milan or, you know, whatever and, and try to, like, work this out. But, of course, uh, back in the 30s yeah. in St. Paul, Minnesota, like... It's a dog. If the dog eats things and dies, you get another dog. You know what I mean? Like, you know.
0: But also not leave out nails it, and tacks and razor blades. Well, also,
2: like, you wouldn't leave that stuff right. out. But if the dog is going to go up and start eating them, it's it's sort of like, you know, the, the, the mindset at that time is just sort of like, well, it's a dog, you know. But what that young boy did do was he wrote into a popular newspaper feature series at the time called Ripley's Believe It or Not. Oh. Uh, and he wrote all about his dog Spike, who would eat tacks and nails and razor blades and things like that. Um. And he wrote about it, and because Ripley's Believe It or Not, of course, had Robert Ripley's illustrations of all of the crazy things that right. Ripley would encounter as in his world travels, and he would draw them, that was the whole kind of the, the, the allure, that that boy drew a little picture of his dog, uh, and they actually published it in Ripley's Believe It or Not, credited to that young man, and... Um, mm-hmm. And that little boy grew up to be Charles Schultz, creator no! of the comic strip Snoopy, Peanuts, Peanuts, and creator of Snoopy. And yes, and and that little you know the little dog that he drew for ah. it, please believe it or not, who ate tacks and nails and razor blades. His dog Spike, and you know, was was clearly the real life inspiration for Snoopy. And and, 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 and in Peanuts, yeah. a
3: Spike. I, I may be stealing your thunder here, yeah. but Snoopy's brother was named Spike. Was named Spike, right?
2: indeed. Yes. Yeah. i didn't know yeah.
1: snoopy had a brother snoopy like,
2: has a massive extended family i remember spike was like the one he
3: lived out in arizona and he, he had like a little pencil living, mustache right yeah. yeah yeah he was like the badlands <laughs> version yeah. of snoopy
2: he
1: Had a little pencil mustache I think he, he did, did right?
3: like a hat and, and like <laughs> and anyway
2: you, you can't you can't do one of these stories without finishing it and now you know the rest <laughs> yeah, of yeah, oh, yeah.
3: Man. Wow. wow that is really good one of the things that interested me when I was uh, doing some of the animal research, I kept coming back to, is host manipulation. Are you guys familiar with this concept?
1: It sounds like some alien stuff. Yeah, it is.
3: You know, In fact, it is very much like alien. So it's it's sort of related to parasitism and symbiosis, but host manipulation is, is basically the phenomenon where one animal takes over another animal and basically turns it into a zombie, for lack of a better word. So Mm. there have been a lot of these stories on the internet in the last few years. You may have heard of zombie snails, or zombie ants, or zombie caterpillars, or zombie crabs. And this (laughs) is what they're talking about, is, is host manipulation. So... The one that was just in the news recently, I guess, uh, there's a there's a fungus um, in, in Brazil. This attacks Brazilian ants. And what the fungus will do is it, it, it attaches to the ant's body and makes its way into the ant's brain and will start controlling the ant's brain and nervous system. And at that point, the the ant is still alive, but this fungus is basically dictating its actions. It's like a zombie. So, so what the fungus will do is manipulate the ant to climb as high as it can on trees and get it up way up and basically affix itself to the tree so the ant can't move it's oh stuck there and then god. the fungus continues to grow and continues to grow until it reaches an, uh, enough of a state that it can break out of the ant's body and then propagate on that part of the tree so it's moving it's moving the ant to a place where it can mm, reproduce it can't more.
1: move by that's itself. right that's oh right oh my god that's so scary it is, is so
3: weird it is so weird uh, There. Are, the
1: thing is it's like it's not it's not like a lot of the zombie ants or zombie cockroaches it's like another insect or another creature affecting another yeah. creature this is a fungus yeah. it's like it, it's weird hive mind plague like collective thinking like it's not like <laughs> totally, they have a central totally. nervous system right right right. right. It, oh, make, oh. it makes it even
3: I mean like I think we hear these stories and we want to like assign some motivation to, to the infesting and but it's even harder with a fungus as you say yeah right. some right. of the ones that get even crazier are where there are two or three stages involved so that The zombie snails, uh, and again, talking about things that are hard to look at on the internet. Oh, my God. Listeners, if you you just Google or go on YouTube, you'll find this eventually, the, the zombie snails, but... Be warned. Be warned. There's Uh-oh. there's
1: pulsing involved. Fairly
3: warned. Be the. So there are flatworms, and what the, the flatworm? It's a life cycle. So I'll, I'll jump in at one point on the life cycle. So the snails eat these flatworm eggs, and uh, the eggs will hatch inside the snail's stomach into little brood sacs. And oh. uh, even just the word, I'm already creeped out. I like it actually. It sounds
0: like a baby baby Bjorn kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, your brood, uh, oh, your brood sack. Oh, your brood sack. Oh,
3: he's yeah, sleeping yeah. in the brood sack. Be quiet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we put these on the registry. We got two brood sacks. <laughs> so, so they'll navigate into the snail's uh, eye stalks, the, the tentacles that they use to sense light and navigate around with, and they hijack them. They take over the the snail stalks, and they, they are literally pulsating and moving with the little flatworm brood Brrr. sacks in there. So what they do is they short circuit the snail's ability to sense light and they they drive the snail essentially into light open areas making it um visible for its predators like birds for instance. <laughs> so a bird will come down and eat the snail or sometimes even just eat the eye stalks. That's all really you sure. need. Cuz it looks like a worm, right? Right, it's writhing around and pulsating. Exactly, that's the other part of it. Right, it, it, is that it kind of attracts the bird's attention.
2: Hey, so. <laughs> Come eat me. Hey, bird. I'm a writhing brood sack inside of a <laughs> an eyestalk It it wriggles in a way to suggest just that sentence. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I
3: mean, you know, we've all been in singles bars. We all know how this works, sure, yeah. right? Yeah.
2: I'm so drunk. <laughs> oh <my God.
1: laughs> There are no guys who want to you talk You shouldn't to buy me. me any more drinks. I'm so <laughs> drunk.
3: <laughs> so these brood sacks encased in the tentacles of the snail, well, they end up inside the bird's stomach, and that's where they finish their gestation cycle. So they mm. essentially lay more eggs inside the bird. The bird poops out the eggs. And the and snails then, eat the poop. That's right. And then mm. you're back at the beginning of the right, life cycle right, right. with these poor zombie snails.
0: <laughs> the circle
1: of life. <laughs> it's
0: beautiful. Beautiful. Beautiful
3: in its own way. Beautiful in its horrific terror.
1: Okay, Mother Nature is beautiful, but Mother Nature is a twisted, twisted <laughs> woman yes. who all of this is by design. Like, it's, it's not, this is how these flatworms exist. It's by design yeah. that they infect the eye stalks, and it's like, man.
3: I think we nailed it earlier. I, I think that Mother Nature is a Lovecraft fan. I think she is. is.
1: Yeah. Gross. Now, yeah, uh, obviously a lot of a lot of these animal stories is it's always about reproduction, and uh, which is a good segue because we're gonna take a break and we're gonna do a mnemonic today. Oh, good. We're <laughs> taking a break, <laughs> and our mnemonic today is kind of related. It is um, how do I put this? It is. This is this will be very helpful for biology students. Sure. And, men men uh,
3: students perhaps men, or
1: Yeah, m- men who are interested in in men's health or anybody that, <laughs> men who are
3: interested. <laughs> for... if, if, if you happen to be a budding urologist, maybe sure. you're
1: that'd, that'd be completing very helpful. your studies. So uh today's mnemonic is uh helps you remember the sperm pathway through the male reproductive tract, how the sperm moves from point A to point B. The various parts of the anatomy yeah. involved yes. in a right. human,
2: so, <laughs> in a human, in a human. I think this was on ER at one point. Really? As in this mnemonic? Yes.
1: It is a uh, seven up. S <laughs> E V E N and up.
2: Okay. And,
1: oh, of, and what does that stand for? Kind of fitting. Um, seven up. It stands for, so S, the first letter of each of the word. So the first S is seminiferous tubules. Uh, E stands for epididymis. Uh V stands for vas (laughs) deferens. The second E is ejaculatory duct. And the N actually stands for nothing.
2: Ah, uh, okay. okay, okay, So, so guess- it's not a perfect mnemonic, but yet you have just have to remember that that doesn't Seve mean anything. Up, it's better it? than yeah. Seve up. Yeah, yeah. Seve up, <laughs> seven up, seven okay.
1: up. So N for nothing. Okay, and then up uh, urethra and penis.
3: Okay. Whoa. okay. So once again from the top, uh,
2: seminiferous tubules, epididymis, vas deferens, ejaculatory duct, nothing urethra and penis yeah, yeah. yay hey, penis I have passed my boards I'm now a licensed urologist <laughs> the standards in California are shockingly
3: low very, there's, very o- there's only low. one question you on the exam you just need to memorize yeah. that
1: mnemonic <laughs> Chris Kohler <Collar>,
2: penis <laughs> hello I'm PhD. Chris Kohler freelance urologist <laughs>
0: <laughs> you should like snap a glove while you yeah. that. <laughs>
3: why is your business card written on the back of a bus transfer <laughs>
1: <laughs> so hopefully uh no one will ever forget how a sperm travels through a human male reproductive i just tract. I,
3: I just hope that there is some listener out there and here she's in medical school and is like yes, yes. i need to know this
2: right. a lot of mnemonics get used in, in medical school oh, i have, yeah. i have been led to believe that I mean because you have to memorize like you have to memorize all the different pathways that things take yeah. in the body
3: and just the volume of information yeah
2: and so you've got to it's got to be like this then this then this then this then this and this and this, this. And so you all you, you come up with mnemonics to help you do that and I'm chances sure are all, yeah,
1: someone needs the sperm pathway maybe so it's, go ahead you. And, maybe it's yeah, you maybe it's <laughs> you yeah, you never know
2: maybe you know submit your favorite medical mnemonics to yeah. gjb.podcast <laughs> at gmail.com think, yeah. yeah one may appear in a future episode <laughs> Plus.
1: Okay, uh jumping back to our weird animal uh topic. I changed ships just to hide in this place, but I'm still I'm still an alien bar. Nobody knows it but me
0: when I sleep. Yeah, I sleep, I'm still an alien there, a-
1: there are a lot of everyday things that we as humans use that you don't know. Animals are somehow involved in them. Right. And in past episodes, we talked about, you know, the, the civet coffee and, and the anal beaver juice used to flavor vanilla. <laughs> and uh, we have a, a bunch more. I, the, the one
3: that I always like, just because it's so simple, and after you hear it, you're like, oh, is uh, shellac. You know, we know shellac. Mm-hmm. The thinner, you varnish thing, or not varnish, but you cover things. It's Shellac comes from the shell. Of the lac beetle. What? Uh, yes, yes, yes. The lac, the L-A-C shell huh. plus lac shell lac comes Lack comes from a lac shell. So yes, exactly. Huh. Uh, so specifically,
1: I would, I, I thought. I mean, shellac is used for what, like furniture, like. Oh man, it has. So the more
3: I, I read into this, uh, it, it had all these uses that I didn't even know that it had. So I, I mean, the, the typical <laughs> you can use. you put it in your
2: coffee. Yeah,
3: <laughs> it tastes. Well, actually, it is edible. It is. Uh, it is non toxic. You can so, eat
1: shellac. Well, so we well, all. Wow. I
3: think that we all know shellac mostly from wood and furniture and you know walls or things like that. So you know, but it is edible. It's non toxic. It's fully organic. One of the one of the uses of it that I didn't know this. If you ever eat on like pills or candies, you know, it's got the little. Glass coating, mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. shellac. Huh. If you see on ingredients for something, if you see pharmaceutical glaze oh. or confectioner's glaze, that's
0: shellac. They put oh. bugs on everything. I think sure. I had yeah. always
3: thought that yeah. confectioner's glaze was oh like sugar based or water. something. No. Yeah. Confectioner's right. glaze, pharmaceutical glaze, that food, is food grade so glaze so is all gross. shellac.
0: At least it's not snail's ice stocks or whatever it's <laughs> like,
1: Hey, you never know. You never that's on know. something. It's probably um, in donuts or something. Yeah,
3: and it's 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 interesting the way they harvest it. So uh, I, I, I guess I had assumed it came straight from the shells, the, specifically the female lac beetle, only the female lac beetle for some mm. reason. Uh, they, they leave the resin. It's like a resin that they leave on the trees where they live. They make these little tube, tube-like tunnels to move from branch to branch. So what people will do is they harvest these little tubes. Huh. They, they, they scrape all the resin off. You melt it down. You, you filter out the debris uh, so it's liquid, and then you let it cool into sheets, and then they break it up into – or grind it into a powder – and then when you're ready to use it as shellac, you, you dissolve the powder in, in alcohol. That sounds really oh.
1: labor intensive.
3: I yes, yeah. I I yes, it takes thousands and thousands of of individual beetles' contributions just to make you know a few hundred grams of shellac. Hmm. So um, how do
1: they how do they make it today? Is
3: it... the same process? The process is unchanged. Yeah, it's it's harvested. For the the beetles leave it behind. You can't force them to produce it, uh, so you harvest it from the trees where they live. You melt it down. Oh, you're not actually eating the. It is the resin secreted from the beetle. Oh. That's right. That's right. Like honey, it's secreted from the shell of the lac beetle. Right. Huh. So it's a sort of a, a byproduct. In addition to the, the glaze, as I was just telling you, I, uh, before they started using vinyl, uh, LPs were made out of shellac. Because if you get it up oh. in, in, a, in a dense enough quantity, you can mold it and form it and press it, and it, it holds its shape really well. That's cool. Yeah.
1: I always associate shellac, I mean, like at Home Depot, it's always with like varnish or paint thinner right. or, or mm-hmm. any of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. obviously those to me, you know, are, are chemicals, are very harsh chemicals, and shellac is... I, mean, I had the same assumption, yeah, originally. but Put
3: it uh, in it's your coffee. natural. Yeah. And I guess it fell out of favor for more like, you know, synthetic varnishes and things like that because it's it's not as durable as like a polyurethane coat. Yep. Good
2: one. You know, I mean, bugs and insects do all kinds mm-hmm. of things naturally. And then once we find out that we can benefit from those products that they produce, you know, it's then it's a question of how do we get them to do it more efficiently, right? And mm-hmm. so we have apiculture. Right, which is the word for beekeeping. Um, beekeeping. But also, I think it can also refer to other type of insect keeping mm. as as well. Uh, but primarily known for yeah, for beekeeping essentially. So okay, so primarily, I'll, I'll put this question to you guys. What is the what is the primary product that? What is the primary thing that bees in in beekeepers keep bees? What is the primary thing that they keep them to do, Karen? <laughs> Honey. Incorrect. <laughs> Wrong.
0: Pol- pollinate.
2: Pollination. Crops, yeah. So, let's talk about the great state of California, where we all are right now. I found out that California's Central Valley produces somewhere between two-thirds and 75% of all of the almonds used in the world. Wow. When you eat almonds in Japan, when you eat almonds in China, those almonds probably came from California, where they are raised. California cannot actually grow all of those almonds using just the natural resources in California. Okay, the reason we were able to have so many, um, you know, almond trees and, and whatnot, you know, planted is because you you have to almond trees are very very resource hungry, and you have to have bees pollinating those uh. trees. You must it it you have to have it. But there's not enough bees on all these man made forests of almond trees, right? To mm-hmm. do it. So what? So okay, there are something on the order of between two and three million colonies of of bees in the U.S. today. A million of those colonies, which aren't which aren't actually located in California, are are trucked in from the what? Midwest no. for almond season, and they actually truck those bees in really so that those yeah. bees can. Can pollinate the almond trees when they're when it's time to do that in the in the middle of the season. That is yeah. cool. A lot, of, cool. Yeah, a lot like of these vagabond bees, bees. bees. Oh yeah, well a lot of these bees are from North Dakota, and it's and it's it's uh, mm. it's it's beekeepers in North Dakota and other Midwestern states, and they actually make as much money during the California almond season as they do selling honey. honey. Yeah, that's amazing. And mm. and the primary use, okay, two thirds of all of the bee colonies in the U.S. Are about are traveling bee colonies. It's the traveling <laughs> bee circus. And they will come to your town for a fee and pollinate your plants. Because they're actually, wow. there aren't enough bees just naturally hanging around where they actually grow food to grow all that food.
3: So they're just bees for hire,
2: just they're always bees, on the zoo. bees for hire. <laughs> Here is my card.
3: Wow. That so, is so, so cool. So they truck them in, and, and they pollinate is, the almonds, and then they truck them they back? And they
2: truck them back home, and they might go off to pollinate some other crop later. They're huh. they're they're traveling oh, bees. That's national, the only bees in the U.S. Do, are doing the national nationwide bees. tour pollinating your crops. And so basically, the so like the world's almond supply depends on beekeepers who live in North Dakota. You know, coming to California to. I,
3: I love the the involved nature of these kind of things because mm. I mean I did I did know that almost all the almonds I didn't know the exact number came from Central Valley, mm. um, but I had no idea that it was so dependent on this other whole other industry yep. in in growing. Them. Wouldn't it
1: be cool to be. The driver of said precious bees. Yeah. It's like, what's your job? It's like, you know, I'm the bee handler. Like, I drive these bees around. I you get right. them to the different gigs. They're like the roadie. They're yeah, like bee yeah, yeah.
3: I smell a Jason Statham movie. <laughs> <laughs> Jason Statham is. Buzzed.
1: Right
2: like... <laughs> uh, well
1: Buzzed. Buzzed. So my uh, weird animal use find is actually... I'm a big Futurama fan of uh, Matt Groening cartoon series. And in one very, very good episode, they talked about Ambergris. Mm-hmm. And Ambergris uh, is... Actually, mm, I can mm-hmm. never find the right ways to put these things <laughs> <laughs> in non-gross words. Byproduct. So, <laughs> so it is It is a bypro- It is a solid, waxy byproduct uh, substance, and it's produced in the digestive system of sperm whales. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, uh, sperm whales, they eat weird things out in the ocean. They eat like squids and, and different smaller animals, and things like squids... That have beaks or weird sharp uh, cartilage oh, yeah. or bones. I mean, it's a little bit you know hard to pass in their digestive right, system. Right. So their systems secrete ambergris to help ease the passage, and it kind of cushions mm. it. And it's it's waxy and it's soft and it kind of softens the edges. Hello, uh,
2: sperm whales. <laughs> Are you having trouble passing through that latest carapace <laughs> you accidentally yeah. ingested? Try ambergris.
1: Da, da, da. <laughs> <laughs> If you Google this and you look at a, quote, fresh ambergris, it looks pretty gross. Never right, never
2: Google right. image search anything Karen ever mentioned yeah. on any of these podcasts, ever.
1: It kind of looks like it's like a weird alien pod.
2: Right. It, it,
1: it's 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 bumpy and it's kind of waxy and, and kind of shiny and it's gray and it's green. How do they green. get it? Here's the fun fact ambergris gets built up you know as the sperm eats all the, the beaks and the weird things yeah. in the ocean and the sperm whales puke it out. They puke out and it gets washed up onto shores right. And so fresh ambergris when you see it on shore it looks like kind of like an alien baby
0: Whoa.
3: and
1: it smells like what you would think whale vomit smells like right that's
3: I, I had always heard I didn't I, I wasn't totally sure how it created, but I had always heard that it was just smells. Absolutely foul. Okay. Just completely. It's, it's but, it
2: has, but it has uses.
1: It does, and and so here's some adjectives describing the smell of ambergris: uh, fishy, fecal, foul, oily. But the thing is, and I don't know, and this goes Sold. Back, you know, This goes back to like who found out about this because after a long time of oxidation, ambergris, the substance, um, that particular odor actually starts becoming sweet-smelling mm-hmm, and musky. Mm-hmm, right. It's dated back the ancient Egyptians actually would burn ambergris as kind of like incense because it would release a mm-hmm. nice odor um, after oxidation, not okay. the fishy state. Oh, right. And uh, in modern Egypt, uh, they actually used ambergris uh, for scenting cigarettes. Around the world, ambergris yeah. was used in perfumes yeah. and colognes. Like a because, perfume base, uh, right? Or a mm-hmm, base for it? right? For that musky huh. smell. Obviously... Um, a lot of people raise a stink about it because they're like, "Oh, it's animal." No pun intended. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, "Oh, we don't want animal products in our in our perfumes or in our cosmetics." Right. So now people have use some sort of synthetic agents but like the real hardcore old school perfumeries still use Whoa, whale uh, vomit huh. in their base
0: <laughs> I know how they figured out that if you let it oxidize it smells sweet like who wants to touch like <laughs> poo, fishy poo smelling crap on the they beach? just leave
2: yeah, it, just it out leave it yeah. and then it come like, back the next day to see if it's gone <laughs> like, it's not gone but it actually smells better now. <laughs> yeah. they're like it couldn't smell any worse if yeah. we leave it here it
0: doesn't smell that yeah. bad anymore does it, yeah, does, like, it yeah, right. does
2: it smell good
0: I'm Lindsay. And I'm Marshall.
3: Join us as we explore stories of science discovery from butts to animals, dinosaurs, astronomy,
0: and everything in between. You'll love these stories, and you'll learn something new.
3: Find and follow Tumble Science Podcast for Kids wherever you get your podcasts or at
0: sciencepodcastforkids.com. So speaking of kind of surprising ingredients to food, I found out that a lot of bagels and some some baby foods and other personal products have. Um, oh no! It's it's not even it's not that bad. It's a little weird. It's duck feathers and human hair. There's this enzyme in in both of those called um, L cysteine okay. and um, it basic it's a dough conditioner, so it makes bagels softer. And there's a way to make it synthetically, but it's really expensive. So like your bagel might have. like ground up duck feathers or human hair
3: it goes into the dough or it's in the into the dough okay it's an ingredient (laughs) okay all right ground up
0: duck feather it must have a yeah it must have
2: a different name yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah, they did whatever well well, that's why
0: it's disguised with the scientific name but that's that's where it comes from sure yeah. Well, yeah, like
2: like anal beaver juice. Yeah. Sure, Castorian. Castorian. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. It sounds so I, exotic. You know it's right. it's butch. I like bagels. I'm sure I've eaten yeah. a lot of hair it's bagels funny. in my day. Yeah, uh, I mean, go
0: fun. to a restaurant. There might be hair in your food anyway. Oh, yeah. So. oh foodception! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> food in your food in your food
1: in your food in your, your hair.
0: <laughs> Backing your food.
2: <laughs> Circle of
1: life. That's right. <laughs> Give us another rendition of of Circle- the. The
2: circle, <laughs> the circle of life.
1: With duck feathers. Not that this is our intended goal for this podcast, but I think we, now with 10 episodes, we have a, a nice list of foods that, you know, a lot of us will never ever touch <laughs> because of, we found out what's actually in them.
2: Can't eat bagels can't eat, can't them. eat m&ms they have shellac on. i've been
3: drinking confectioners glaze by the gallon <laughs> and now i'm just gonna have to curb that habit
1: no more pills <laughs> uh so that was our weird animal talk and we are heading into our final quiz segment and this is my quiz and it's it's not too much of like a quiz quiz, but more like a kind of a discussion. Famous paradoxes mm-hmm. and this will come in handy um, during pub quiz or, or any trivia uh, competition you're in because there are a couple of famous ones mm-hmm. and here are some that you know you might eventually get asked about. Get your get your buzzers all right, ready. All right. okay. Tell me what is catch 22.
3: Oh okay. Colin. Uh, Catch-22, if I remember, was to in the novel, the, the Heller novel, uh, in order to be disqualified from flight service, you had to be insane, I guess, for lack of a better word. But in order to document that you were insane, proved that you had the capacity to recognize that you were sane.
1: Is that close? It is very close. So a Catch-22 uh, generally is described as a situation where uh, a person cannot avoid a problem because of contradictory constraints or rules. So in this case, uh, 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 what's the character, Doc, right? Doc said, Why any pilot requesting a psych evaluation, hoping to be found not sane enough to fly and thereby escape dangerous missions, would thereby demonstrate his sanity? Ah, okay. So that is a catch 22. Um, what is Zeno's paradox?
3: Chris. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Zeno's paradox is Zeno, the, the ancient Greek, right? Said, uh, mm-hmm. if I'm walking to this from here to this wall, I'm never going to get to the wall because first I have to travel half the distance and then I have to travel half of that distance, and then I have to travel half of that distance, and then half of that distance, which means that I'll, I'll never ever get to the wall because there'll always be some distance between me and the wall. More,
3: more specifically, <laughs> it was, he, was, uh, he was describing an a, uh, imaginary race between Achilles and the tortoise, right? Isn't oh, really? That what it was, right? Oh, so okay. I believe the example he gave was that it doesn't matter that Achilles is the fastest being in, in existence. Oh, he'll never catch if up you give to the, the tortoise. tortoise a, right, exactly. that He'll never be able to pass the tortoise right. because in the time that he goes his distance, since the tortoise has moved a little bit. And right. Yes.
1: Basically any distance can be broken down. Or, you know, on paper can be broken down into infinite little fractions right, of right. distance and you can never catch on. You
2: can have something infinite times.
1: Obviously, this is not true. Yes. Because then right. that means any movement <laughs> is <Yeah>. impossible. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's a good thinker.
3: But it's it's one of those where even though you know it's not true instinctively, explaining why to somebody to, pretending right. to be the devil's advocate. That, yeah.
2: exactly, that is the, that's the intellectual exercise here. It's to answer the question and kind of square the circle and, and explain why it's false. Right, right.
1: Okay, this is a big one. What is the liar paradox?
3: I'm gonna guess it's something related to the the concept of this statement is not true.
1: Correct. All right. Very oh, correct. really? Is that it? Yeah. Liar paradox is uh, this sentence is false. Oh, okay. So yeah. it's kind of like a there, there's a whole series of them. Um, you know, opposite day is one of them. Today is opposite uh-huh. day. Well. So if it's opposite so it was, day, it's not opposite. It's all this, like, kind of self-referential uh, paradoxes. Another one is uh, it's called the Socratic paradox, which he, you know, Socrates says, "I know that I know nothing at all."
3: <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs>
1: what is the ship of Theseus? It's also known as the George Washington's axe paradox. <laughs> Um, uh, You're up on I, your okay. paradoxes. I, I know my paradoxes.
3: Yeah. Uh, the ship of Theseus, I believe, is the one. It's a philosophical mind exercise where if a ship goes out to sea and replacements are, or repairs are being made on it as it goes. Oh, 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 yeah, so yeah, yeah. Okay. Sorry, it breaks in half, essentially. Yes. I've, I've heard two variations. One is that the ship breaks in half and each half is repaired back. Which one is the ship of Theseus? I've yeah. heard another variation, mm-hmm. which is the ship goes out to sea. If it's replaced piece by piece over the course of the voyage, by the time it comes back, is it the same is ship? Is it the same ship? It's and about The
2: axe like, one is oh, I've had this axe since I was a young boy. Well, yeah, I mean, I replaced the handle. And then later I I replaced the head. You know, Ah, but I've had this axe forever. I haven't heard that
1: (laughs) one.
3: I like
2: that.
1: And uh, lastly, this is so interesting. It's called the Abilene Paradox. Mm. And uh, I I, I don't think this is general knowledge, so I'll I'll explain a little bit. So basically, we know the Abilene Paradox in play. We just don't know what's called the Abilene Paradox. So basically, the belief is that uh, people can make decisions based not on what they actually personally want to do, but what they think other people want to do. Mm. Uh So as a result, Everybody ends up doing something they think the other person wants to do, but nobody wants to do it themselves. Ah. So this stems from, I mean, this is kind of the fundamental of a lot of groupthink or decision theory. And th- this paradox was uh, kind of posed or the story behind it is like we have a group of family. They live in Texas. And it was a super hot day. They're having a fun time, hanging out on the porch, playing dominoes or whatever. And then the dad was like, hmm, thinking to himself, he's like, well, I don't. I don't want anybody to be bored. So he suggested, hey, why don't we go to Abilene, which is a a 50-mile drive over there. It's a town in Texas, and have dinner there. And the wife is like, she personally thinks, well, I don't really want to go, but it sounds like you want to (laughs) go. So sure, that sounds great. And then the brother (laughs) is like, well, if you guys want to go, then I'll go. Sounds (laughs) great. And everybody ends up on the car, 50 miles in super hot weather to Abilene, have a crappy dinner and come back. And they're like, man, that wasn't worth it. That food was. Done. Like, <laughs> and
3: they're like, why did we go? Why did
1: we go? It's just everybody mm. decided on what they think another person. I've do. definitely gone huh.
3: through situations like that in my life. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Especially with a girlfriend or a boyfriend, yep. or a spouse. What do you want to eat? Right. Do you want Mexican food? Well, I don't want Mexican. Do you want Mexican? Food? Oh, oh like, I only ah! suggested
3: that because I thought you didn't want. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Right, right, yeah. So Abilene paradox. The Abilene paradox. And uh, we have another carryover listener challenge uh, for this week and uh, I actually wrote this myself so it'll be very hard to google um, but you you would need some googling it's very clever and it's very fun I hope if you if guys... you do say so
2: yourself yeah. <laughs>
1: I hope you guys enjoy it and uh, here it is it's it's a form of a poem and I'm gonna read it out twice it's 19th century is the time you seek for the great battle was fought on sea two sides against one fleet by fleet name me the ship of doubled identity. Mm. Here it is again. Play it again, Sam. 19th century is the time you seek, for the great battle was fought on sea. Two sides against one, fleet by fleet. Name me the ship of double identity. You get, so, your, get your
3: thinking caps okay. firmly on for firmly this one. on.
1: A little bit harder. Uh, and if you know the answer, email it to gjb.podcast at gmail.com. And out of all the correct answers, we will uh, select a few random ones and send you uh, some, some prizes, some cool swag. And you'll feel smart. Thanks uh, to you guys for joining me. And thanks to you guys, the listeners, for listening in. Hope you learned uh, a lot about animal stuff and a lot about food that you should avoid (laughs) because it might be a little bit gross. You can find us on Zoom Marketplace. You can find us on iTunes and also on our
2: website, goodjobbrain.com.
1: If we enrich your lives, give us a review on iTunes. Throw in some alliteration in (laughs) there while you're at it.
2: We don't ask for much. We read them
1: and we laugh. We 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 like them. We We love them. them. So, yeah, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.